Hey, this is Pastor Keenan. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to our Young Adult Podcast. I know you're gonna be blessed because you are choosing to make listening to God's word a priority today. And if you are blessed by this episode, would you consider sharing it with some of your friends? You never know how God could use it in their lives. Well, hey, here comes the sermon. So lean in because God's getting ready to speak to you. I love you. But are you guys ready for the word tonight? Come on. Are you guys ready for the word tonight? And based on how you respond to that question, I know whether or not you are. So I'm going to ask it one more time. Are you guys ready for the living, breathing word of God tonight? Come on. Oh, I like it. Let's go. I'm ready. Hey, if you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to read one verse of scripture, and that's verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul writes this to his young son in the faith. And you have to understand, Paul, is, this, is his last, this is his last letter to his young son, Timothy. Paul is soon to be beheaded by Nero. And this is the last time he gets to write to his young son in the faith. This is a letter of paramount importance. What Paul is going to say, these are literally some of the last words Paul utters to his young pupil, his young son, the guy who is literally going to carry the torch for him. These are his last words. I don't know about you, but if I knew I was having my last words, I would want to make them count. I would, I, would, I, would, I would nix the fluff and I would talk about brass tacks. I would talk about, son, these are the things you need to understand. Long after I am gone, long after you have my words, you need to let the word of the Lord be the light of your life. The word of the Lord wants to speak to you and lead you all the days of your life. Long after you are past young adults, long after you are past these college years, long after you have me yelling over a microphone at you Thursday after Thursday, the word of the Lord wants to be inside of you, leading you, moving you, guiding you, molding you, and shaping you. That is what my heart's desire is, and that is what Paul's desire is here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Are you ready for it? This is is of paramount importance. He says this, for God never gives you a spirit of fear. I don't know if we have the verses on the screen. I don't know if our projectors are not working. I brought my Bible tonight, so it doesn't really matter. And I learned how to read a long time ago. God prepped me for this moment in the second grade. He knew projectors would fail me. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. I'll read it to you one more time. Bam, on the, on the triple wide. I love it. Okay, here we go. For God will never give you, listen to this, listen to this, let this break down every theological construct your denominational background built for you. God will never give you the spirit of fear. If you have a spirit of fear tonight, I'm here to tell you that is not a gift from God. If you are walking around tonight, shaking in your boots, quivering over your past, or scared to death over what your future might look like, I'm here to tell you that is not a gift from the Lord. God does not use fear tactics. He says, for God will never give you a spirit of fear, my son. And then he says this, but he will give you the Holy Spirit. He will give you the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power. Listen to this, who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. God is not going to give you the spirit of fear. But here's the thing I have found. Just because God is not going to give you the spirit of fear does not mean you did not pick up one somewhere along your journey. 
Just because God is not going to deposit the spirit of fear into your heart does not mean that the feet of your soul did not wander off somewhere and purchase one for yourself. Some of us, I think, are currently, and I can honestly say that this has been a huge tactic of the enemy in my life here recently, gripped me with the spirit of fear. I don't know about you, but when you go through something that you've never gone through, when you go through a season you thought you were, you, you were untouchable with, you think, I, I, I'm, 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 I, I, I'm ordained, okay? You know, I thought I was supposed to be, I thought I was supposed to levitate everywhere. I thought I was supposed to be Mr. Untouchable. I thought I was supposed to be Mr. Godly. I thought I was supposed to be Mr. The weapon may be formed, but it shall not prosper. And then all of a sudden the weapon looks dang close to prospering. And that's when all of a sudden it gets real easy to begin to exchange the Holy Spirit for the spirit of fear. And listen to me, I'm not saying that if you give up on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives up on you. The Holy Spirit is the one whose his mission is to stick close to you, not you close to him. The Holy Spirit was sent to the earth because that's where you live. You understand that? That's the whole reason the Holy Spirit is on this planet is because this planet happens to be your home and his job is to follow you around. But just because his job is to follow you around does not mean that you have opened yourself up to the benefits that come with living and breathing and moving in the Holy Spirit because there are some, and Paul tells us two, three of them, excuse me. He says, first one's power. The second one is love. And the third is a sound mind. Now, I don't know about you, but over the last month, a sound mind has never sounded sexier to me. Can I just be real with you tonight? After going through what I've gone through, which I was dealing with COVID, I'm just going to out myself right now. I'm way beyond contagious. I'm, I'm, I, I'm well past being contagious is what I'm trying to say. It's not like I'm like super contagious. I'm way beyond contagious. Don't come near me. It's not at all what I'm trying to say. But one of, yeah, I've got the antibodies, whatever. I identify as vaxxed. Um, so it's one of those things. <laughs> it's one of those things. I got it. And, and all of a sudden this brain fog began to set in. And I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of conferences where the pastor will be like, some of y'all just need to thank God tonight that he kept you in your right mind. Okay. And I'm on the front row like, <laughs> I have to get up after this guy. <laughs> like I'm supposed to tell people they need to thank God he kept them in their right mind. Like that's the biggest miracle. But after you go through something that wants to challenge your sanity that wants to challenge the way you think, that wants to make you think that you are lesser than you have known yourself to be even in the worst of moments, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, the sound mind begins to sound pretty dang good. But so many of us, we can't operate in power, we can't operate in love, and we can't operate out of a sound mind because, listen to me, we're too busy operating out of a spirit of fear. And I really want to make a delineation real quickly to you. There is a big difference, don't miss this, because this is going to free you of some condemnation before you leave here tonight. There is a big difference between the spirit of fear and the sensation of fear. There is a big difference between the spirit of fear and the sensation of fear, the feeling of fear, a moment of fear. It is not a bad thing. You do not have a spirit of fear if occasionally you find yourself afraid, if occasionally you think you're not enough, if occasionally you find yourself kind of second guessing, stepping out when it comes to trusting God. You do not currently have a spirit of fear. That is the sensation of fear. A spirit of fear will cripple you. You know you're walking in a spirit of fear when you haven't walked in a long time. 
You know you're walking in a spirit of fear when your feet have not touched the ground because anxiety has crippled you. And maybe even some of you, that is physically. That is what your life physically looks like. You can't get out of bed. The spirit of fear manifests itself in anxiety. It manifests itself in a lot of things. And I'm not trying to dog mental health. I'm not trying to dog prescriptions. I think if you need to be on medication, bless God, okay? I'm not telling you to do anything other than that. But what I am trying to get you to see is there are a lot of things in our life that we give medicinal credence to before we actually go before the God of the universe and say, hey, is there an open door somewhere? Is there an open door in my heart? Am I giving giving way? Am I serving the spirit of fear? Have I made the spirit of fear my master? And the way you might be doing that is if it looks like you haven't walked, whether that's physically, spiritually, or even emotionally in a long time. Because listen to me, the spirit of fear wants to keep you out of what the Holy Spirit has for you. The Holy Spirit has power, love, and a sound mind. And the spirit of fear wants to keep you bullied over in this corner when all of that has already been provided for you. All of that has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. You have to understand, God did not sweep your sin under the rug. He swept it under the blood. He has swept your sin under the blood. It's not going to crawl out and haunt you someday. No, he has swept it under the blood. It is gone. It has been rushed away like a tidal wave. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard against him. And that standard is his blood. That standard is his sufficiency. That standard is his finished work on the cross. And I'm telling you, if your sin has been swept under the blood, you don't need, you have nothing to be afraid of. But yet so many of us, we get talked into this corner, we get bullied into this corner, and we end up missing out on what's already been provided for us. I told you I I travel a bit and I preach and my wife typically goes with me, right? And and the great thing about this is if you are a traveling preacher, like I'm gonna give you one of the biggest perks, okay, right here. I'm gonna, this is my pitch to you to be a traveling preacher, okay? One of the biggest perks is when you get married, it's a paid honeymoon, okay? Like they pay for you to be in a, a, a hotel. Okay, I've been in nice hotels and I've been in like, uh, yeah, like Red Roof Inn, you know what I mean? Like Motel 6, you know what I mean? I have a story about Motel 6 that is not godly enough for me to utter over this microphone, okay? And I just want you to know I was not a willing participant, okay? <laughs> I was not. I was across the hall in my own room minding my own business, okay? But they were minding each other's business, okay? At two in the morning, okay? All up in each other's business. So th- th- there's a lot of great things. There's a lot. This is young adults. We can go there, right? Uh, no? Oh, well, I already went there. Okay. It's swept under the blood. So I travel and I preach. And most of the time, my wife goes with me, right? Like, it's just like this little like romantic honeymoon. It's great. Like, if I'm not preaching, we're, 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 we're worshiping the Lord. You know what I mean? In, in, in a marital sense. And so we're there. And my wife, I have this trip coming up and my wife wasn't going to be able to go with me due to work, right? She wasn't going to be able to go. And so um, it was actually going to be quite a few days. It was going to be like five days long. And so I told her, I was like, all right, babe, I'm going to make sure you have everything you could possibly need, okay? Because she still does not know her way around San Angelo, okay? I'll be real. We've been married a whole year. There's a loop. It takes you everywhere you need to go. Okay. Okay. If you can see, like you're, you can watch your dog run away for three days here. You can see Walmart three exits ahead. Okay. Like just exit down there. That's the closest one, you know, but she's still scared. All right. So she's, 
She's like, yo, I'm going to need some stuff. So we get ready for this trip, and I go to the store, and I, I spare no expense. You know what I mean? And I buy her all her organic, okay, non-this, non-GMO, non-good, non-godly food, okay? It's what she likes. It's just non. She should have been a nun, okay? Which would have kept me out of a lot, which is sad. But anyway, I buy her all her food, right? buy it all. I take it to the house. I put it in the fridge for her. I put it in the cupboards for her. I do all of that. It's prepackaged. It's great. It's ready to go. I go on my trip. I'm there in, um, I'm in Colorado. This was a time a, a few months ago I was preaching there and I'm in Colorado and I'm on this trip and she wants to FaceTime me the first night I'm gone, right? Which is a great thing to do. Okay. So we FaceTime and I'm sitting there and she's in our room and I'm FaceTiming her and she's like, looks emaciated. I'm sitting there and I'm like, babe, what is wrong with you? She said, I'm starving. I said, girl, what's, uh, why? Like, why in the world would you be, star like, go eat. You know what I mean? Like, my God, you need to go eat. And so she looks at me and she's like, I tried. And I'm like, what are you, what do you mean you tried? Like, have you forgotten how to use a fork? Like, what's going on here? Okay, like, this is getting bad. I cannot leave home. And so she, she tells me, she proceeds to tell me that she went into our kitchen and there was this cockroach in our kitchen. And so she tries to give the cockroach uh, the fivefold ministry, but it was with a clenched hand. So she tried to, you know, she tried to just give it to him. And so she goes to this cockroach and she begins to remove it from our kitchen, which is honestly, I will give it to her. That is huge for her. Massive for her. Okay. Huge. So she goes in there and she begins to try. Well, all, evidently this cockroach was very quick. Okay. And he scurried away. Okay. He was not going to be outwitted. Okay. He scurries away to find himself a new hiding spot. She screams and runs back into our room, slams the door. Our house is a good, a, a good few years old. Like I mean, by a few, I mean, it's like ancient. I think Jesus was born in the backyard. It looks like we have a manger back there. Okay. Slams the door. And, and, and basically almost falls off the hinges. She's sitting back there. She FaceTimes me. She's out of breath and she's in next to tears, right? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, babe, she's like, I can't go in there. I'm not going in there. And this girl literally did not eat that night or the next day in a house full of all the food she thought she would ever need. In a house full of everything that had been provided for her. And I think as soon as she told me this was happening, I told her, girl, you realize I'm going to preach this, okay? <laughs> like it preaches itself, okay? But I was, I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. He said, Kenan, how often has that been you? How often has everything I've provided how often has the power, the love, the sound mind, the, the boisterous life, the, the legendary calling, the grace to walk it out and the anointing to get it done, how long has that been on your life but you allowed this little thing to bully you back into a corner and crevice of your life that had not been prepped for you to eat? And what I wanted to tell you tonight, and this is the title of my message, is eat it. Eat it. And I think that's going to make a little bit more sense as we go through the message tonight. But what I want you to walk away with tonight is you have full, listen to me, you have full permission to enjoy everything the blood of Jesus purchased for you. You have full permission because guess what? This was never about how good you are. 
This was never about how many T's can you cross, how many I's can you dot, how many church services can you tend, how much of Proverbs do you have memorized, how much of Boaz do you look like, or how much of a, spirit, how much of a spiritual Proverbs 31 woman are you? It was never about that to begin with. The question the love of God is asking you tonight is not what do you deserve, it's what does Jesus deserve? And the truth is, Jesus deserves what he purchased. And he purchased you. He bought you. Not a future version of you. Not a more cleaned up version of you. Not a more Instagrammable or a version of you that doesn't quite cuss as much. But the you you are right now. And I'm telling you, when all of a sudden you allow that sweet spirit of the Holy Spirit to begin to talk you into what God died to talk you into, rather than the, the spirit of fear bullying you into a corner that has no provision, I'm telling you, all of a sudden you'll find everything you ever needed. I feel like some of you, and I know it because I lived for a long time believing I was above the spirit of fear until the spirit of fear found out I moved, found out my new address. And all of a sudden he came knocking and I found out, man, this battle isn't done. I feel like there are some of you in here tonight, you are still currently battling or maybe even bound by a spirit of fear. Now listen to me, you can only fight a spirit with a spirit. I know that sounds revolutionary, but you can only fight a spirit with a spirit. You have to have the opposing spirit. You have to have the opposite spirit. And I'm sick and tired. Listen to me. I'm sick and tired of going to church services that are completely devoid of the power of God. I'm sick and tired of hearing good, nice little 20 minute TED talks based on the book of Matthew that leave me enlightened, but still let me walk out bound. I'm sick of your 20 minutes of nothing. I'm ready for the power of God. And I'm telling you, when we realize that this, we don't war against flesh and blood. We war against powers and principalities. Listen to me. Your life is more spiritual than you ever dreamed. You're not, a, you're, not a, you're not an earth person having a spiritual experience right now. You're a spiritual person having an earthly experience right now. That is your true home. That is your true nature. That is where you reside. This is just your short little pilgrimage. And I'm telling you, a spirit can only be dealt with by another spirit. And I really feel over the next couple of weeks that it's time that we pull back the curtain on some spirits that I think are at work and having a field day in many of our generation in much of our generation. I'm tired of dealing and trying to throw water on a, on, on, a, on a house that's completely on fire. I'm tired of spinning my wheels. I'm tired of, of, of pretending like we have a real solution when we haven't even scratched the surface on what it might actually be. I'm tired of walking away feeling enlightened, but still walking away bound. And I'm telling you, I think there's some of us in here tonight who are still bound by the spirit of fear. And the reason that the spirit of fear is such a big deal is because, listen to me, I know, them, I know I'm, I'm going kind of old school tonight. In our leaders meeting, I talked about personal words of prophecy, okay? So I'm not as old school as I was in there, okay? <laughs> Which I may talk about in a few weeks, get into the prophetic, okay? It's kind of fun. You need, it, you need it in your life. But the spirit of fear, you have to understand what its main objective is, what its main uh, uh, agenda is, what its main um, goal is, is to create distance between you and God. That is why the spirit of fear bullies and taunts us away from the Holy Spirit. Just like that cockroach taunted Beth away from the provision she already had, the Holy Spirit, I mean, excuse me, the spirit of fear comes in to try to create a little bitty gap a little bit of separation 
a degree of separation between you and the Holy Spirit. Begin to make you walk in a spirit of fear. Because listen to me, you know why the spirit of fear does this? You know why the enemy does this? It's because the enemy knows the word better than the church knows the word. It's because the enemy knows the word better than you know the word. And the enemy knows this, that 1 John 4, 18 says this, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. So what he's trying to get you to do is allow your, his fear to seep and creep into every nook, cranny, pocket, corner, and crevice of who you are until all of a sudden you have created such a degree of separation between you and perfect love that fear is allowed to stay. Perfect love casts out all fear, so therefore the, the, the absence of love is the presence of fear. You are allowing fear to stay by keeping yourself away from the one who is perfect love tonight. He is perfect love personified. The enemy also knows this verse. It's, I told you First John uh, 4, verse 18. The enemy also knows John 15. And John 15, some of you are familiar with it. Jesus says this. Let's throw it up. John 15, verse 4. In the New Living Translation, it says this. Remain in me. This is Jesus speaking. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you, listen to me, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You cannot be fruitful unless you are connected to me. The spirit of fear would love to tell you that the reason you're cut off from God is because you haven't quite made your life look enough like God. But the Holy Spirit comes to tell you, no, on my side, there's the power to actually look like God. You actually have to connect to God before you can get the power of God. You don't get the power of God to connect to God. You're putting the cart before the horse. The spirit of fear comes to tell you, you need to look like God before you can ever talk to him. You need to act godly before you can come to God. And I'm here to tell you tonight, the Holy Spirit saying, if you're ungodly, please come to God because God is the only one who can make you godly. Please come to God. Please rush before his throne of grace so you may find mercy and help in your time of need. I'm telling you, the, the, the enemy knows the word better than the church. That's why the enemy is able to twist the word. You gotta know the word in order to twist the word. That's exactly what the enemy did to Jesus. In the wilderness, he began to bring the word. He began to bring up what was written in the scrolls. And all of a sudden, he began to twist it and says, God's not going to let this and this and this happen to you. And he says, it is written. I'm telling you, how do you fight someone who twists the word? You fight it with the real word. You got to know the real word so you can untwist the word. That's what, that's what iniquity means. You know what the word iniquity, that's an old school word for you. The word iniquity, it means twisted. It doesn't mean that you're not right. It means that the enemy has twisted you, that you are running in the wrong direction. He has twisted your head about so that you think up is down. You think left is right. You think north is south. He has gotten you all sorts of jobbled up. Why do you think our culture is backwards? We, serve, we live in a culture that says trust the science, but then believes men can be women and women can be men. We're backwards. We're stuck in iniquity. We don't know what the heck we're talking about. And the Holy Spirit comes to bring some perspective, comes to breathe some life, comes to breathe some truth into our twisted thinking. It says you've been twisted by the spirit of fear. Let me untwist you and get you set off and dust your feet off and get you moving in the right direction. And listen to me tonight. I do not say any of that out of a place of condemnation. Anything that I just said is not out of a place of condemnation. The Bible says we were all born into sin and into iniquity. 
We were all born twisted. So if you walked in here tonight saying, I was born this way, you're right. Which is why the gospel says you've got to be born again. You got to be born again. The first time got messed up, but now all of a sudden when you come under the blood, all of a sudden the blood of Jesus begins to untwist you, that he was twisted so that we could be untwisted, so we could be made right with God, so we didn't have to be bullied by that little insect of our past, so we could step in to the glorious future that was written before the foundations of the world were even laid. I haven't preached in like a month. (laughs) But I'm telling you, man, when we begin to know the word, we begin to understand that as long as we are, listen to me, this is about relationship. And the problem is, I was talking to a young man last week, and we were talking about a relationship with God, and I began to, God just began to speak to me as I spoke to him. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you got to talk to somebody else and let God begin to talk to you through you. And I began to talk to him and I said, you know what? For years, I settled for an awareness of God rather than a relationship with God. For years, I settled of an awareness. Okay, I can, yep, he's in the room. I think he's in there. Oh yeah, like look at him, he's so cute. He's over there, oh my gosh, Jesus. (laughs) I settled for an awareness when I was built for relationship because listen to me, Fear will only at best give you an awareness of God, but it'll take away the power that says you dare ought to come close. Fear will just give you an awareness because an awareness of his presence does leave room for fear. Oh my God, it's, 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 it's God. Oh my him, it's him. And all of a sudden we begin to allow, listen to me, we begin to allow that degree of separation to keep us cut off from the thing we were born for. Listen to me. You were not born for an awareness of God. You were born for a relationship with God. Stop settling for awareness. Stop settling for being able to walk into a church service and be the spiritual barometer, be the spiritual thermometer and be able to tell what the temperature is in the room. No, the Holy Spirit wants to be your thermostat and say, actually, you can now change the temperature. You can now shift it to more of the presence of God. Why? Because you are the walking, talking presence of God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I don't care if you've got tattoos. Thank God your, your temple has some artwork. Got enough bland beige temples going around. I'm obviously just defending myself. (laughs) But I'm telling you, man, all of a sudden, when you realize just how much of a boss you actually are, when you realize that the boss lives on the inside of you, that you are in him and he is in you, it's the in, in me and him dimension, that that is where I live and I move and I have my being, all of a sudden the spirit of fear doesn't have any room to come in to create a space, a chasm, an inch of guilt, shame, or condemnation and tell you to pack your bags because you were born to starve. That is not at all what you were born for. And it's no wonder, listen to me, notice what, can we throw 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 up again? Notice what side power is on. It's on the side of the Holy Spirit. And many of us, we allow our fear to tell us we've got to change ourselves before we can come to him. And he's saying, actually, the only way you're going to find power to change anything is when you just let me be me. When you come over to my side of the tracks, when you come over to where you were born to live, stop living for a a bottom of the gutter life. Stop accepting that 
and realize that I, I built you to live. I built you to live on this side of the tracks. I'm telling you, that's where the power really is because the enemy would love to sprinkle in some fear into your relationship with God. And right now, I think there are many of us in here, and most of us, we let that be the motivation for why we come to church. We let fear be a motivating factor for why we set foot in this building. I don't want to piss God off. I don't want to, I don't want to irritate him anymore. I'm storing up bowls of wrath for myself. We allow fear to be the motivating factor to get ourselves out of bed, throw ourselves in our vehicle and come to church because we're afraid of the one we're coming to see. We are afraid of the one we are coming to see. I'm going to come and worship at the altar of your fear. And then I'm going to leave until it's time and my guilt and my shame and my, my condemnation convinces me it's time to get over my fear and come back to worship at the altar of my fear. That's what we allow to happen. But I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, when you begin to step into the robust reality that before you even had a mind that was capable of fearing, God already decided that he wanted to give you the mind of Christ. Are you losing your mind? Thank God, it's about time. You were born to have the mind of Christ. It's time that we lose our mind. It's time that we get over ourselves. It's time that we quit letting the enemy coach us into a corner when we were born to live fully provided for. And this is why, listen to me, this is why, because this is when we don't connect to the Holy Spirit, it's no wonder we can't grow the fruit of the Spirit. If we don't connect to the Holy Spirit, it's no wonder we can't grow the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you are familiar with the fruit of the Spirit if you've been around church for any length of time. It's Galatians chapter 5. We're going to go to verses 22 through 23. And most of you could just sound them off right here and right now. But I'm just going to read them to you. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Or another translation says, there is no limit to these things. You cannot overeat on the love of God. And that is exactly why many of us are anemic on the inside. Many of us are wasting away. We are atrophying in our soul. We have developed bed sores in the house of our life because we have not gotten up and actually indulged in the presence of the Lord. And what I'm trying to get you to understand tonight is the only way for the, whole, the fruit of the Spirit to be in you is for you to eat it. For years of my life, I was convinced that the fruit of the Spirit was this, these abstract things, these hard things that I had to make sure were growing and active in my life. Or else I wasn't bona fide, I wasn't legit, I wasn't the real deal, the real McCoy. God was going to spew me out of his mouth. All those things that those fire-breathing preachers tell you. I was, for years I was convinced that I had to muster up these things. Now I want to point this out to you before I point out the next thing. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruit of your labor. Not the fruit of your diligence, your, diligence, your devo devotion, your focus. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So whose job is it to grow the fruit of the Spirit? The Spirit's job. What is your job? Eat it. Eat it. So much of my life, I went trying to become something I, have never, I had never tasted. Trying to become something 
I had never first indulged in. How does the fruit of the spirit get in you if you have not tasted of his love? How can love be alive in you if you have not eaten of love? How can love be at work in you if you have not eaten of the one who personifies love? How can you have peace if you have not eaten of his peace? And tomorrow, literally, I want you to put this into practice because listen to me, this has been what has been keeping me afloat the last couple of weeks. This has been the scripture I've been meditating on over and over. But the only way you can have the fruit is if you eat the fruit. Fruit's for eating before it's for growing. When was the last time that you ate of the love of God rather than chastising, over, chastising yourself over the fact that you're not that loving? When was the last time that you went and ate of the peace of God rather than settling for some sad course of anxiety? When was the last time that you actually went and ate of the joy of the Lord so you could find your strength rather than settling for just another weekday because you have nothing left to give your body any nutrients? You've got to eat of the fruit of the Spirit. Can I just encourage you? That's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do with these things. This is your menu. What is your menu tomorrow? Love. What is your menu tomorrow? Peace. What is your menu tomorrow? Patience. What is on your menu tomorrow? His goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control. Against such things, nobody can tell you you're a glutton is what it's trying to say. There's no limit. There is no limit to the amount of his love that you can ingest. And I'm telling you, the only way for this fruit to be alive and active in your life is for you to eat of him. Is this helping anyone tonight? My God, this has been, look, I'm telling you, this is as real as it gets, my friend. This is as real as it gets. Tomorrow, I, I, I literally say this out loud every day. I've been saying this. I say, God, I eat of your love right now. Mm. I eat of your love. Lord, I eat of your peace. Lord, I've got no peace. Would you feed me yours? Lord, I've got no joy this morning. My serotonin levels feel depleted. Can I have some of yours and may I find some strength in you today? Man, I'm telling you, when you come to his food pantry, it doesn't run dry, it doesn't run short. There's always fresh manna. I'm telling you, when was the last time that you ate of him? Because listen to me, it's only when he gets in you that you begin to look like him. It's only when he gets in you that you begin to look like him. What I'm trying to get you to understand is you can't settle for being around the presence of God. Being near. I was talking about that degree of separation. It's not until Christ, the Holy Spirit, who is literally the person of Jesus on this planet. You understand that. It's not until the Holy Spirit gets up on the inside of you that all of a sudden you have the Holy Spirit, the act the things that make the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you. Don't settle for being around the Spirit when you were born to host the Spirit. You were born to be the home of the Spirit. Whew. Good God. You're, I'm preaching better than you're shouting tonight. I'll tell you that right now. If this isn't helping anybody else, it's helping me. Because listen to this. The Bible says this. Psalm 34, verse 8, it says this. This is a familiar passage. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the problem is all religion will ever let you do is see. And you're trying to become something. You're trying to see something that you've never actually tasted. And God says, before you can see, you've got to first learn how to taste. You've got to first taste of me before you can see me. Because when you begin to taste me, you begin to have me in your being. I'm here to tell you tonight, you are what you eat. 
You are what you eat. And this is, I, I, I know this sounds old school and I know this sounds a little rough, but you need to check what, you need to check your intake. You need to check the podcast you're listening to. You need to check the kind of music that you're taking in. You need to check the kind of entertainment. Is your for you page really for you? I'm telling you, can, can I just be real? Like it, 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 it's, it's, it's a slippery slope for me. It's not a fun place for, for me to be. You get off the app for a while and just like completely reloads and thinks you're a normal 26-year-old dude and wants to see normal 26-year-old stuff. And I'm like, no, I ain't. Is it really for you? I'm telling you, you need to check your intake because what you take in is what you will be convinced you actually are. Man, I'm telling you, we got to take in the love of God. We got to take in the peace of God. We got to take in the provision of God, the goodness of God, which leads us to the very last thing, the self-control of God. Do you understand God has self-control? What does God's self-control look like? Faithfulness, goodness, love, peace between God and man. The self-control of God is the fact that God would rather bankrupt heaven than have heaven without you. He had self-control in dealing with the sin and the transgression of his creation. And I'm telling you, when you lack self-control, it's time to eat and remind yourself of the grace of God, which is the personified self-control of God. Woo! This is good stuff. So set you free. Just stop by to tell you tonight. Sound like one of those old preachers. I just stopped by to tell somebody Jesus made me happy. He did make me happy. He also gave me joy, which is bigger than my ha my, what's happy, which is based on what's happening. You got to taste and see, because listen to me, settling for being around the Holy Spirit isn't enough. We actually allow, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us. And listen to me, if I could just have somebody, Kyle, maybe come and play quietly behind me. Is Kyle here? He's not here? Okay. If I could have somebody come and play. Does anybody play guitar? Mauricio, I'm just playing. I ain't playing, dude. I ain't closing the service alone. I think, I think the acoustic's in the back. Anyway, wh while he's doing that, let's talk. <laughs> you can't settle. What I'm trying to get you to understand and where I'm going, you have to understand why I'm saying this. You can't settle for being around the things of God. The things of God have to make their home in you. Listen to me. Jesus borrowed a grave. He bought you. Jesus is not interested in buying things he does not, in, he, he does not intend on staying in. He knew he would not be in the grave very long, so he borrowed it, but he bought you. When you meant nothing, when you had nothing, when you felt like nothing, when you could offer nothing, the Holy Spirit bought you. Do you think he intends on checking out of the holiday end of your life? It's not happening. It's when you allow that spirit into your heart and in your soul that all of a sudden it begins to change things. I wanna tell you this. Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half full years. Peter, the guy who Jesus found, he was just a roughneck fisherman. And Jesus says, hey, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. I'm gonna change the story. I'm gonna flip the script on your life. You were looking for one thing, now I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna make you find everything. Peter walks with Jesus for three and a half years and look where it leads him. Listen to me, look where it leads him. 
three and a half years into following Jesus. He's walking with Jesus. He's talking with Jesus. He's sleeping next to Jesus. He knows more of the Bible than we do because he experienced the stuff that was never written about. He knows the miracles that didn't make it into the canonization. He knows the, he knows the things Jesus has done, the things that John tells us in his gospel. The, the world couldn't contain the books of the things that Jesus did in his 33 years. He walks with Jesus for three and a half years, witnessing all of it. And at the end of his three and a half years, one year shy of his bachelor's degree, which many of you are, because you checked out. He's sitting there and they're in a garden and men, become, men come to arrest him. And all of a sudden, this guy, his name's Malchus. He comes to arrest Jesus. And Peter whips out a sword and goes and, listen to me, he cuts the guy's ear off. Now, a lot of us, the way I kind of thought of it was almost like it was this fencing move. Like he was like, there's your ear, I'll get your life next time. But listen to me, Peter's not a skilled swordsman. He was going to chop the guy's head off and the guy ducked. That is exactly what happened. Malchus ducks and Peter is only able to Mike Tyson him. He's only able to get the ear. Three, listen to me, three and a half years into following Jesus, Peter is trying to kill people. Peter is trying to become a murderer. People is try, Peter is trying to kill. When he's watched Jesus restore over and over and over. And to make matters worse, he tries to kill this guy. And then all of a sudden, Jesus begins to leave. They arrest him, and the, they begin to have this kangaroo court. They begin to have this, this mock trial. They begin to have this, this night little ritual around this campfire, and they're, they're cheering Jesus. They're punching him in the face, saying, prophesy who hit you. If you're really the son of God, bam, prophesy who it was, you piece of crap. This is what they are doing to Jesus. And the Bible says this, that Peter, here it is, Luke 22, verse 54. It says they arrested him and they led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. They arrest Jesus. They're saying, prophesy who hit you. And all of a sudden, Peter is standing around a campfire just off in the distance, following at a distance. What does this sound like? He sounds like he's gripped with a spirit. A fear gripped with a spirit of fear he's walked next to the one who is the Holy Spirit and yet a year later he's still trying to act out as a murderer and he follows Jesus at a distance because he's gripped by the spirit of fear and notice what happens next a little junior high girl walks up to Peter and says um aren't you one of his disciples he says no I'm not he denies him second person comes up he says aren't you one of his disciples, like, we saw you work in the merch stand. We know it was you. He's like, no, I've, I don't know Jesus. All of a sudden, a third and final person comes up to Peter. They're like, yo, I know it's you. He, and then the, Peter cusses this guy out. Peter says, I don't know that blankety blanking man. Get away from me. All of a sudden, Peter does the very thing he told Jesus an hour ago he would never do. Three years later, and I think most of us could argue Peter is a worse person than he started. Well-meaning, but at least no better than the person he was when he started. Because all he did was able to follow Jesus around. And it led him to deny, deny, deny. 
And all of a sudden, we see about four days later in the Gospel of John, John 21, that Jesus meets Peter on a sea, the Sea of Tiberias. He comes to where Peter's at, and Jesus makes him this private beachside breakfast. He, he restores Peter. And listen to me, listen to me. This was four days after. Now let's fast forward 50 days, 50 days past the point of Peter trying to behead a guy and denying Jesus three times. Now we fast forward the clock 50 days, less than two months later. Peter is in an upper room with 120 people, arguably the, a, a, a crowd the size this size. He's in this upper room. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit descends. And now Peter doesn't have Jesus next to him. He's got Jesus alive on the inside of him. Listen to me, this is not three years later. This is not a decade later when Peter kind of had learned some stuff. This is less than two months after he had just tried to kill someone and denied Jesus three times. He went from following Jesus at a distance to having no distance. Woo! And watch what happens. Peter, at the end of Acts chapter two, where this happens, he preaches a sermon. Listen to this. This is powerful. And so many, I've, I never saw this until I studied this just recently, getting ready for this message. Peter preaches a message with such passion, such boldness, such vigor, that 3,000 people say yes to putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Now notice, a spirit of fear led Peter to try to kill a guy and then led him to lead three people away from Jesus. And the Holy Spirit gets on the inside of him less than three months later, less, excuse me, less than two months later, and all of a sudden he's not leading three people away, he's leading 3,000 to Jesus. Come on, I'm here to tell you, the enemy's gotta return a thousand times what he made you do when you were living in a cage of fear. Woo! I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit begins to invade your life, when he begins to invade every nook, cranny, pocket, corner, and crevice of who you are, I'm telling you, everything that you did in the flesh, everything that you ever did in the past, everything that you ever did out of a spirit of fear, even if it was well-meaning, I'll give it to Peter. I think he was well-meaning in some of the things that he did. But even the things he did out of a spirit of fear, now he does out of the Holy Spirit. And he's three times, he's, he's, he's a thousand times better preacher than he is a denier. And that's under the anointing, under the grace of God. I'm telling you tonight, if you're in here and you feel bound by a spirit of fear with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you would say, Kenan, I am bound by a spirit of fear. I need that Holy Spirit. I need that power. I need that love. I need that sound mind in here tonight. If you would say, Kenan, I'm tired of settling for being around Jesus. I'm tired of settling for following Jesus at a distance out of a spirit of fear, but I'm ready to allow the Holy Spirit into my life to invade me, to wash me and make me new. If you'd say, that's you. When I count to three, I'd just like you to shoot your hand up. It was three years that Peter followed Jesus. It was three minutes full of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people were already coming to a Jesus they had never even seen yet. What could God do through your little life? Let him make his home in you. If you'd say, Kenan, I'd like to accept Jesus and the Holy Spirit for the first time or for the first time in a long time and dispel that spirit of fear. If you would say you fall into any of those categories, I'd just like you to shoot your hand up. One, God loves you. Come on, two, now's your moment. Three, come on, right now, right now, right now. Come on, hands going up all over this place. Hands going up all over this place. Come on, leave them up, leave them up, leave them up, leave them up. I'm gonna pray for you tonight. You came all this way, don't back down now. Don't allow a spirit of fear to creep in and when everybody's head is bowed and their eyes are closed, talk you out of raising your hand. Come on. 
It's time to step out in faith. It's time to say, God, I'm sick and tired of being bullied by the spirit of fear. I want to be governed by the Holy Spirit. If you would say that's you, come on, just raise your hand one more. I think there's one more person. There's one more person that's not doing it. Come on, leave it up, rest it up high. Lift it up high, come on. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you right now for every hand that is raised to heaven because that hand represents a heart that has just been yielded to you. And Lord, I thank you right now. They have full permission to eat of your love, to eat of your peace, to eat of your joy, to eat of your patience, to eat of your long suffering, to eat of your goodness, your diligence, your devotion, your self-control. God, we look to you tonight. Lord, let grace be enough for them. No longer are they going to follow at a distance. They're not going to settle for one iota, one inch of, of separation tonight. Lord, I thank you that you'd make your home in them here and now. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in their mortal bodies and it follows them to their place tonight. It follows them to their home tonight. And I bind, I bind right now that spirit of fear. I bind that spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. I call it out. I say you loose right now. You loose right now. You loose right now. You let go right now. In Jesus' name, you let go right now. In Jesus' name, this is God's territory. This is God's place. These are God's people. I thank you for it right now. I thank you that your grace flows right now in Jesus' name. Hold on. Oh, Jesus, Lord, I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, it's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, come on. Amen, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for those who just said yes to Jesus tonight. Come on. Well, hey, you made it all the way to the end of this sermon and thanks for listening to it in its entirety. I know God spoke to you. And if he did, maybe he even dropped a specific person in your heart who needs to hear this message. Would you send them the link? And if there's no one specific, just post it on your social media story. You never know who could click on the link and end up accepting Christ at the end of the sermon. Well, uh, hey, I'll see you on the next episode. I love you so much. Be blessed.